production. Here at Listener, we acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which this episode of the podcast is being recorded today, the Boon Warring people of the Colon Nation. We also pay our respects to elders past and present. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. It's a lot, isn't it? Hi, everyone. We're at a new network. We have a new home at It's A Lot and the home is very safe and welcoming and beautiful and the new head of our house is Max, our Aww. new podcast. A podcast, <laughs> as I say, host. A podcast, and I'm not hosting anymore and we're out. My new podcast producer, Max, is such a gorgeous little bean. Hello, Max. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Oh, I'm good, doll. <laughs> we, um, we just wanted to pop this in here before we began because people are going to be like, New producer, there's new sounds, I think. Yeah, there will be. Different to the previous. You might be like, what's going on here? We've moved to Listener. We love Listener. It's been amazing. So We love you. We love you. Oh, my God. So nice. Um, so this is the new uh, situation. And we just want to let you know because you think I'm saying talking to Max throughout episodes in the coming weeks and you go, who the fuck is Max? We've moved networks and, um, yeah, we're super excited about it. Also, if you or someone you know uh, needs or enjoys using transcripts of the podcast, uh, we have been doing those for a little while now. The link is in my Instagram bio. Basically, it's on the It's A Lot podcast website. There's a tab in there, blah, 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 blah. It's on my Instagram link tree, but we'll also put that link in all the episode, the show notes of where all the transcripts are just so you can all find it one spot. Amazing. Also, before this episode, I'd just like to say there is some talk of suicidal ideation. So if that affects you in any way, there will be resources in the show notes. And if you want to skip this one, totally fine. So now is my chat with Denny. I'm here with the beautiful Denny Totorovic. How are you going, babe? I'm good, babe. Good pronunciation. Is that good? Yeah. Todorovic. 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 Beautiful. I love it. <laughs> I, I was um, I was flexing my knowledge. I was like, is it Vic or Vic? Yeah, Knowing you got that it right. I... Your Serbian bestie at school served you <laughs> <I> well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my Serbian bestie when I was in primary school. Thanks, babes. Um, so it's our first episode back uh, after a break and it would be remiss of us to address the elephant in the room. Mm. Uh, um, would you like to begin by talking sure. about what happened with Brooke Blurton and myself last week? Maybe we could. Of course, yeah. yeah. So for context, I yes. want to thought I'd give your listeners some context. You and I have yes. been friends for coming up to a year now. Yeah. Yep. So we met at a body shop event last year and just kind of yep. fell in love. Oh, mm-hmm. the lighting. The just went Beautiful. off. Beautiful. Yeah. That was quite nice. And also this interview has been penciled in for quite some time. Yeah. Good. Yep. Okay. So I… First one back, babe. Yeah, first important. one back. Let's go. Mm. Muzzle top. So… I have been a long admirer of yours. You, in my opinion, I was actually talking to my mum about this over the weekend, have become one of the strongest voices of our generation. Your activism is something that you use not only in your social media realm, but this is just how you exist. And people who know you know that, right? Okay. So for context, also with my work and my job, I know Brooke. And just in the world that we work in, I've met Brooke um, once only, but I've interviewed her for my Instagram channel. She came to my fashion show Mm -hmm. recently. And I've been very vocal about what a watershed moment it was to Mm -hmm. have her season of The Mm -hmm. Bachelorette, both for queer people and Indigenous people. And also she's just a really nice human. Mm -hmm. So in the last two weeks, 
watching what happened unfold. Mm-hmm. So what happened was, for context again, if people yeah. are listening and don't know, because shockingly, some people don't follow me on Instagram or the <laughs> podcast. I have no idea how that happened. Mm. Um, but I... Okay, got it. I, I'll just do a very a quick spark notes. I'm sure if you look on my Instagram, you look on Brooke's Instagram, you'll be able to see, and like the wash and things like that, you'll be yeah. able to see the full rundown. But spark notes, I started dating uh, a contestant, Conrad, the week before he was kicked off the show. A fan took a video of us kissing that mm. was um, leaked, I guess, or sent, intentionally sent to the Daily Mail. They did an article about it. Brooke and I had a conversation. I apologized for our neglect, you know, at, at the pub kissing in public. We shouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. We knew we shouldn't have done been kissing in public at that time. Um, but we were, you know, we 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 did. That yeah. was kind of yeah. we did, and that was our fault. We apologized to Brooke. Um then when he got uh, he exited, so I say eliminated. eliminated. <laughs> yeah. When he exited the show. Um, then, because my understanding was that it was the spoiler was the issue and that was my mistake. And then um, uh, the next week on the Wednesday, Brooke had texted me in the morning. We'd been in hospital the night before with some eye thing that honestly isn't even worth talking about. But I was hospital night before. We went to lunch, had a few drinks. Brooke had texted me saying how happy she was for us. And then I uploaded a post I didn't even, and I think that people thought that it was a planned thing, that it was, I wanted waited for this date, but we literally were choosing the photos at lunch mm-hmm. and we'd been papped like almost every day. We, we, we were living together, basically. Yeah. We'd been living together since we met, basically. Yeah. Um, and I mistook that message for a green light to upload a post, which was my mistake. Uh, so... I the I didn't think of the timing of the finale, and obviously through my other podcasts and my recaps that I've done, I mm-hmm. I, I understood the impact of this uh, season and the finale. Yeah, we did a whole season on it, um, but I didn't understand. I I was neglectful in not thinking about the impacts mm-hmm. of me as a white woman in the media and a public figure uploading that during that time. So yeah. that was very neglectful and um, it was a mistake that I wish I just waited f- three more days, mm. two more days, three more days, whenever. That, so it was on a Wednesday, three more days, a Saturday. Mm. So that is That's what, what occurred. Yeah. yeah, and I, I, the white privilege, people were confused about how the white privilege came into it. The white privilege in that is me not thinking about the impacts mm. of that post to the community. That's mm. the, And I knew the importance, but I didn't think that my actions would affect that. Sure. And that's where the white privilege comes in. Yeah. People are confused. Mm-hmm. So, perfect synopsis. I watched all of this unfold and knowing both of you and, you know, you more intimately, like Brooke is a friend, but I don't have a phone number. You know, you're a friend of mine. So knowing you both um, and watching that all unfold, I observed two things. I observed what happened and I observed the way the media reacted to it. So let's get some things out of the way. First things first, is there anything wrong or shameful with you falling in love with someone months after they were on this show? Absolutely not. Especially because Brooke's now found love as well. And Mazel Tov to Brooke and David. Absolutely. Like, very happy. Yeah. Okay. Wasn't it, like, really not ideal that someone fucking leaked this video of you guys kissing? Of course, but that's out of your control. Mm. Was your announcement poorly timed? Absolutely. Yes. And I think you're incredibly aware of that. Yes. Okay. So, the bigger conversation here, and this is actually, you know, 
props to you and to producer Max for welcoming this conversation because that's what we said. I said, if we're going to do today's show, I want to talk about this of first. Course. So I feel this way. This is a conversation about privilege and white privilege and the way that women who are white and who are, you know, celebrities, personalities, whatever it might be, just by default have privilege over any BIPOC women in the media. Yes. Your announcement was always going to overshadow a finale, A, because of your white privilege, but B, also because the media loves to pit women against each other. Let's not forget that. Mm. I was actually thinking on the weekend, if this was Tim Robards and Sam Woods, this would never have happened. Mm. Because it was two women, great. Mm -hmm. Two women who are different. One is, you know, black and one is not. Even better for them. So absolutely, your your announcement was poorly timed. Mm -hmm. Now, again reiterating as someone that knows you, I know that that announcement did not come with malicious intent. But irrespective of your intent, it's always going to put Brooke one notch below you. So the way I approach this is with accountability and action. So I don't believe in cancel culture. I don't believe in choosing Team Brooke, Team Abby. Why do I have to choose a team? I love mm. both of you equally and that's why I'm here today. For me, it's about accountability. So you're, you've been accountable. You've done your statement. It was very well worded and I would expect nothing less from you. Also, just to be clear, that wasn't a PR written No, that was, that was you. Was that was your home. tone of voice. I, yeah. I could know that when I read it. Yeah. You've welcomed this conversation today. More accountability. Now it's up to you for action, right? And, you know, you know now the inequality and the imbalance. And I'm sure that, you know, privilege is a funny thing, babe, because we can talk about it till the cows come home, but sometimes until it's staring you in the face, you don't see it for what it is. Yes. So going forward... It's up to you to remain accountable and to, you know, create action. And people will hold you accountable to that. If you, Like me as your friend will hold you accountable yeah. to that. But I have every faith that you will do that person because that is what, that's who you are. You're that person. You always have been. And as I said earlier, you are someone who has been like staunch in their activism. So of course, when it directly impacts your life, you're going to lead by example because that's mm -hmm. how you are. Mm. Are all of Brooke's feelings valid? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, everything Absolutely. she has said is valid. I respect it. I respect you both. But I lead with empathy, love, and kindness. And I have love and empathy for both of you. And this is why I welcomed this conversation today because mm -hmm. I don't believe, why would we cancel you? That's to me inhuman. Mm -hmm. And you have done so much good. You've been at the forefront of so many important conversations for minority groups over the last three years. So that's why we're here today and I wish nothing but love and respect for both of you. And you're in love. Like you're allowed to be happy yeah. about that, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's all about timing and the timing was off, but we learn, we do better, we know better, we move forward. Yeah, it was um, it was neglectful timing. Yeah. Uh, it, but it was it definitely was not pre-planned. No. There's, there's a narrative going around that I, that I must have pre-planned it to get mm. more attention. But I just want to be clear, this was literally... The thing that made us really, I, we were a friend of mine was uploading stories of us kissing. People were taking videos of us kissing uh, at at lunch because um, we were, you know, in love. Was it boozy lunch? In love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> drunk in um, love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I obviously I do apologize, and I um, will be much more aware. And I think that, I mean, I feel that I, I wish that I had realized that at the time because a lot of my work is in this area in privilege because I am a very privileged person in many, many ways, being mm. a white cis mm -hmm. woman um, in the media yeah. that benefits from uh, all different privileges. And I 
have been open about the fact that I know that I would not be where I am today without the privileges that I hold. I wouldn't have ever been cast on The Bachelor in the first place. Mm. That's like the, the start. Number one. Yeah. That's not even the start. That's mm. in terms of this career, that's where it started. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just wanted to acknowledge that because it would be uh, weird if we if didn't. If we didn't, yeah. But yeah, it, it it was it was not pre-planned, but it was absolutely neglectful. It was absolutely naive, mm. and it was uh, it was something that I it is something that I will never. I hope that I never do again. I will endeavor to never do again. I can't say that I will never do anything like this again because obviously, yeah, I'm not. I like I never thought that I would do something that would affect mm. um, indigenous or queer communities in that way, mm. but I did. Mm. And I will endeavor to never do that again and try my absolute best and continue trying to use my platform to pass the mic to mm. minorities and to support minorities as well. And I'm part of the LGBTQIA you, well, you plus are. community I mean, I and that's gonna... what also is extra. Uh, I mean, obviously the digital community, is, it's, it's very impactful the way, but it's like, very, very uh, personal, I guess. We have that? a shared experience with queer people. Yes, yes. And I think also to any of my community that are listening, um, you know, it was so bizarre. I got a bunch of messages last week saying like, why haven't you said anything? You're obviously standing up for Abby because she's your friend. And I want to make it very clear that I will, re- I respect people for who they are and how I know them to be. And I think that cancel culture is so toxic. What is the point of judging someone or, or rather of sort of like burning someone off of one action or one mistake? Like that's not how I operate. Mm-hmm. And Abby and I have had so many conversations about your own queerness and your journey and how you didn't even feel like you could say you're bisexual or pansexual. Like people need to know that there's more to things than Instagram. Like there's more to a human than an mm-hmm. Instagram profile. Um, and I have nothing but love and respect for you, and I know that you will do better because that's who you are. Okay, should we get into this chat? All right, now we're chatting to Denny. Okay, I have five million topics. (laughs) I actually was like, I sent Denny. So usually when I talk to someone, I usually have like, and I'm scared as well because we're chatty. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm I'm concerned. We've only got this studio. Max, I think we're going to have to kick the people out afterwards because I'm like, we only have 40 minutes left. All right, leave it with me. (laughs) Get on your emails, Max. Um, But there's so much I want to talk to you about. But I want to start off. So in the Mm. shower this morning, I had a list of all these things. Things. But sure. in the shower this morning, I was thinking about how you were telling me you used to um, clean hotel rooms with your <laughs> with your mum, right? Yes, yeah. So, yeah. and because of you, remember you, you told me that you'd have to take the sheets off and yes. put them in the bath or yeah. something? That no. Okay. So no, you've got to do something. So, okay, when I, whenever I check out of a hotel, because the sheets um, are the first thing that the cleaners, you know, change mm-hmm. when they walk mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. So to make their lives easier, I strip the bed entirely and I put all of the like pillowcases and stuff in the middle of the big sheet and then I fold it up and I it's leave it in thing. a nice little okay, cocoon. That's what I have to do. Yeah. I've been putting it, I thought in my head it was put everything, including towels in the bath, but no, it's but that not. Helps. At least it's all in one okay, place. Okay, but you, we, we put it in like a sack. Like a sack. Yeah, okay. a sack. A Santa sack. So tell, because I, I was thinking about this morning and I was but. like, you have such, I mean, the last 12 months you, I think in particular, probably 18, two years, mm. but, but. 12 months in particular, yeah. I think, have been a period of exponential growth and it's been so amazing to watch And because you're such you. a little... Everyone everyone that knows you describes you as a ray of sunshine Aww. or like a warm little nugget <laughs> or like like something... Those a warm are, nugget. A, a warm, I love that's that. What I call you. I'll I'm take like, it. It's like a warm little nugget. Yeah, I love that. Um, 
But I think it's it's important to you've had an amazing career with Cosmo mm. and also obviously with Instagram and and uh, you know most recently fashion, which we will get to. We will get. To. Um, but I wanted to talk about pre all that mm. and how you got to that and like it doesn't have to be you know an hour long thing. It can sure. if you want to. Max is sorting out the studio. <laughs> But I think it's so interesting, uh, you know, your family history and just give us a bit of sure. rundown of that because I think it's quite – I think a lot of people in this industry mm. um, start out because they have uh, well-connected parents yeah. and, again, that comes down to a privilege. Yeah. Um, and And also ne- we love a nepotism. <laughs> we don't love it. Often we hate nepotism. But, you know, that is a thing mm. that exists. And you know what? You have a different story. So I'd mm. love for you to just talk about how you do that. Because sure. the people listening, I'm sure, want to be creatives, stylists, mm. you know, influencers, um, podcasters, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And they might go, well, it's hard for me to get mm. that access, which it absolutely is. Mm. But can you tell your story? Sure. So, I mean, I think it's, you know, this conversation's been so perfectly framed because we talk about privilege. I, you know, had none growing up. Um, I think really, actually, when I look at um, the biggest privilege I have for me is the fact that I'm able-bodied because my brother is disabled um, in a few different ways. So, you know, other than that, it was, you know, person of colour, migrant parents. English wasn't my first language. I taught myself English when I was like Mm -hmm. four. Um, So my parents are Serbian, Romanian by way of India, which we found out last year because we did a DNA ancestry test. Wow, yeah. So I grew up in Geelong, which is, you know, really regional town. It's like second biggest place in Victoria, but Mm -hmm. very small Town vibes, very country vibes. I love Geelong. I've been there oh, once. I was on a panel so with, oh, Kim with Kim Cooper. My friend. Yeah. Kim Cooper is fucking beautiful. We love Kim Cooper. We love Kim. Yeah. Oh, anyway, sorry. We, yeah. we can't get distracted. We're having dinner tomorrow night. So, yeah, we are. We're having dinner tomorrow night. We can do our personal things at dinner. Yeah. Max is like, we only have 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, being the efficient gay that I am, I've already booked this room for an extra hour. So, oh, yes, you, you have. Love you, Max. That's Kim Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, gorgeous. Geelong. Grew up there, loved it. But it was definitely not the kind of town that fosters um, being queer or creative because it's a very football-driven place. It's very white. I grew up in quite an affluent suburb. Though when we lived there, it wasn't – it was like old money when we lived there. Now it's just very expensive to live there. Mm -hmm. So my school was very white, was very cis, was very hip. And I was, you know, neither neither of those things. Mm. And my parents worked on farms when I was little. So I used to love going, getting up on a Saturday morning and going to the potato picking farm with my dad. Yeah, and we'd pick potatoes and it was so fun to me. It was like a game. Yeah. Um, and then in primary school. Did you find school, the biggest potato yeah, or the most potatoes? No, the most. It's all about most. most. So you, no, have to fill, you have to fill a bin with potatoes. Oh my yeah, gosh. and the more bins you fill, so you got paid by bins. Right. So if you're a quick little ethnic fucking running all those, yeah. Little, if you're a little warm nugget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you're a warm nugget, getting all the nuggets. <laughs> in there, you get paid more. Yeah. So the parents would often take their kids so they could make more money. Anyway, love that child labour. <laughs> I mean, it was a game. You loved it. it. You genuinely it loved it. Yeah. <laughs> then in primary school, my mum and dad worked in factories. Mm-hmm. And then in high school, my mum started her own cleaning business. So mm-hmm. yeah, after school, my brother and I would go and like, we used to clean supermarkets, um, hotels, the local TAC building. Mm-hmm. And that was when I first started to be aware of our lack of privilege because mm-hmm. we would go to empty the bins. I'll never forget this at the desks in this building. And the people wouldn't even look at you, wouldn't acknowledge you, wouldn't say thank you. And I was like, oh, I just felt like that sort of working class brown family that was like cleaning people's rubbish. That's a thing in corporate with corporate yeah. cleaners. I would always try and say hello yeah. to the, uh, the corporate. I mean, to be fair, they only came after hours in the offices that I worked yeah. at, um, which I guess in itself is a bit. Yeah. Weird. Yeah, Weird, right. Yeah. That, but it's that like itself. But it's you try and say, and then people wouldn't even, don't even look at cleaners mm, at all. No. Like it's, 
it's bizarre, isn't it? What's well, not bizarre? Uh, yeah, reality. no. Often, um, if you're in a service industry, you become like invisible in a weird way. Like mm-hmm. people don't, and then you you're so mm-hmm. grateful when people acknowledge you, and you're like, it's a basic human right. Yeah, anyway, to say hello to someone yeah, in, say the, hello. in the corridor. Yeah. Mm. So I, um, alongside all of that, always loved fashion. Um, ever since I was little, and when I was seventeen, I said to my parents, I don't want to go to uni. We couldn't afford uni. Um, we were. You know, and by the way, I'm going to use this word and I use it with a lot of endearment. I used to always say, wogs don't go to uni. Wogs can't afford to go to uni. Only Aussies go to uni. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I was like, I'm never going to go to uni. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to master somehow my craft of fashion love. And I wanted to travel. Sorry, can I ask you the uni thing? Yeah. So what about Hex? Or was that on? Yeah, I mean, it just was not. I think there's one person in my whole family that's ever gone to uni. Right. Education is not really instilled in in my community anyway. It was mm-hmm. more like get a job, make money. Do you want to be maybe like an apprentice? Maybe you'll be a tradie right. or something. Start your own business. Straight away, so making money. Yeah, all yeah, about the money. because you need to make money to, to survive. Yeah, exactly yeah, right. It's and not when, about a leisurely mm-mm. university. Right, so it's not about the cost well, the cost of uni, but the cost, yeah. the opportunity cost yeah. of earning money rather yeah. than going to university. Why would you go to university for four years and, you know, not earn money? Like for that was stupid to my grandmother. She mm-hmm. was like, no. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, the uni thing's not a vibe and I want to be a business owner because that's what my family do. My parents were by this stage quite successful at their cleaning company. And um, so I went to Paris to study fashion. I remember we had to go to the bank and I got my first loan when I was like 18, mm-hmm. a $9,000 loan. Um, because my parents couldn't pay for me. Yeah, it was a big loan. My parents couldn't pay for me to go to Paris. So I went, you know, myself on my own check kind of thing. And that changed my life. Um, but then again, I came home, was working in cafes, then moved to London mm-hmm. and worked in fashion magazines and PR in London, but interned. So I would intern during the day, work in a call center at night, um, you know, having to like scrape pounds together. I remember one time emptying out my wallet on my bed in London and there was seven pounds and I didn't want to ask my mum for money. So oh. I had to make seven pounds stretch three days and I actually did. Oh, I'm pra- How did yeah. you do it? Okay, so there's a shop in London <laughs> called Poundland. Oh, I love yes. Poundland. Yeah, where you I've buy where this. you buy like pound meals, like microwave meals, lean cuisine vibes. And oh, so I went cuisine. and I, cuisine, I went and bought myself seven lean cuisines with seven pounds and fed myself for four days. Oh my God. Yeah. So how did you, do you mind if I rewind a bit? Yeah. How did you get those interns? Sure. That's the hard thing, right, is getting the internships. Yeah. So I feel like the universe has just always been on my side. When I first moved to London, I needed a job. I got a job in retail. And the girl I worked with at um, Diesel, this denim shop, her sister worked in fashion PR and it was London Fashion Week. And Mm -hmm. she was like, you want to be in fashion? Hey, my sister needs an intern this week for fashion week. Do you want to go do it? And I was like, yeah, fucking earth I do. So then I was supposed to be there for 10 days. I ended up staying in that internship for three months. Wow. Um, And then through that, I got recommended to another business. I worked with them for a year. And then when I worked in PR, I realized that actually I wanted to work in magazines and be a stylist. So my boss at the time was like, well, you should quit PR and go intern in magazines. And I was like, oh, I've got to intern all over again. So again, I sort of had a foot in the door because I had built relationships with journos and Mm -hmm. got an internship at Cosmo UK. Um, which is where my love affair with Cosmo started. When that when you got that, mm. were you like screaming, jumping up and down, vomiting in the yeah, corner? I was, like- <laughs> I was screaming. I was just mind blown. But then like the most mind blowing thing happened into my Cosmo experience. I got an internship at British Vogue, which for anyone who loves fashion, that's like the dream. 
and I I don't even I know cried. fashion. I mean, I'm wearing fucking jeans. I, I tried to look nice for Denny today. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, you I, look I'm, beautiful. No, but I, I, I was trying to, I didn't bring any kooky outfits to wear to impress you. <laughs> but like, I, I, babe, I'm a basic fucking bitch and I would be, imp- I mean, I know what that means. It's Vogue, exactly. That's incredible. Yeah. So that was pretty epic. And even that was very much, I will say, it's a bit of right place, right time for me. And also using your fucking balls. So I was at an event and I was next to the editor of British Vogue. And I was like, if I don't introduce myself to this woman, I'll regret it forever. So I literally introduced myself to her and was like, I really would love an internship. How do I do this? I I said to her verbatim, I said, I bought my first issue of Vogue when I was 12 with my lunch money, which is true. I want to intern at your magazine. How do I do it? And it was such a Devil Wears Prada moment. She gave me no warmth at all. And she just said, is my editorial coordinator's email. Just email her your CV, please. And then next thing I know, I got an internship at Vogue and it was just wild. So these things just kept falling into place. Wow. Which is why my dad always says, like, someone has had a bigger plan for you because, and it's not come without hard work. Like, it's come with a not. lot of hard work. But it, for sure, someone up there is looking after me because mm-hmm. I always happen to be at the right place mm-hmm. at the right fucking mm-hmm. time. And then you were at Cosmo Australia, Australia after yeah. that. Yeah. So when I came home from London... It was the birth of the internet and blogging. Mm-hmm. So I started a blog called Style by Denny and that's how mm-hmm. my handle was born. But I didn't really love being a blogger. I didn't really love being in front of the camera, ironically, because now it's all I do. <laughs> but back then, I was like, I just want to be a journalist. Um, so I was like, what am I going to do? So I moved to Sydney at 27 and started interning again. Mm-hmm. I worked at Witchery full-time at Pitt Street Mall and interned at Cosmo for one day a week for six months. And then a job finally came up. And then I was wow. there for five years. Yeah. And then when did you leave Cosmo? So I left Cosmo three and a half years ago. Mm. Um, I was there for five years. And in the last year, I was the fashion editor, which is like the top job in the fashion yeah, department. Yeah, babe. Quite amazing. And how old? 30? I was 30. 29 yeah, when I got that That's job. That's incredible. Thank you. You're incredible. Oh, we love Danny. baby. However, that incredible moment was overshadowed by the fact that people don't buy magazines anymore and Cosmo the magazine folded. Yeah. So we got made redundant and within 24 hours, my whole life changed and within two weeks, I was on a plane back to Geelong, the fashion capital of the world. Absolutely. I mean, you've made it the fashion capital of the world, babe. Don't you worry. You and Kim Cooper. <laughs> um, so in that moment, were you what, what the fuck was your plan? Oh, so this wasn't the plan for the interview. I'm just chatting yeah, yeah, yeah. No, What the, the fuck was your plan? So my plan was go home, um, cry, save, cry <laughs> save some money, and then go back to Sydney because I knew that I couldn't afford to live. I mean, people don't get paid well in magazines. So even in Sydney, this whole privileged conversation, it's like I was struggling. And, and by that point, my parents were doing really well with their business. So that my mum would send me money like every other week mm-hmm. and that made me feel immensely guilty and all my friends back home were in corporate jobs, buying houses, getting married. And Denny's like, mm. I need $14 for my Oyster card this oh, week kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So it was, you know, it was Oyster? Opal. Oh, yeah. It was pretty, I, yeah. It was I, pretty, to be yeah. fair, I, yeah. I knew what you meant. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it's an Oyster card. I'm from Sydney. Um, it was pretty tricky. So at that time, it was this, again, this real crossroads moment. My... Um, work was ending, Cosmo folded, and that was like a heartbreak. Mm. But also I was going through the worst relationship moment in my like life ever, this like really abusive relationship, lots of trauma. And I remember I looked at my mom and I thought, I need to be home. I need to be near you. So I'm just going to come home for three months and then we'll figure out what happens. Mm. But then little did I know that coming home to Geelong would not only be the best thing for me personally, mm. but 
professionally. Like mm. Geelong was is a different place now and there wasn't a lot of stylists there. So I was booked and busy, bitch. You were the stylist of Geelong. I was like these, yeah. And, oh and I was really lucky. Everyone was style by Denny. It was, was really, <laughs> He went to every cafe and you were like, I, went to every I can do this we for you, can I this. can do this yeah. for you, get the pearls yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was really scary. Um, but Geelong really embraced me and there was this beautiful moment where I could be based in Geelong, but I was still travelling to Sydney for work, travelling to Melbourne for work, and then it just kind of like snowballed. And yeah. now you're here. Now I'm here, yeah. How has that felt? We were talking before we started recording about mm. how it's been a stressful… Yeah. I mean, it's exciting, but it's been a stressful, mm-hmm. you know, period of time. Yeah. How's that transition been for you from being kind of a behind-the-scenes yeah. journalist, you saying that's what I want to do, and now mm. you're facing the camera all mm. the time. You mm. are the face of so many movements, but also of your style. You are the face of your mm. actual job. How's that been, and what have been the hardest and, I guess, best yeah. aspects of that? Sure. So everything really changed for me when we went into lockdown, like the, when COVID first happened. And um, before this, I was kind of getting overstyling. I was like, there's only so many red carpets and low gears and brown lows that I can do. And also I had got my dream job at Cosmo. So I was like, where do I go from here? I didn't know what to do. What's up when you succeed young? Yeah. I've heard a lot of people say, then what do I do? Yeah, what do you do next? Then what do you, you do, know? yeah. So um, we went into lockdown and I remember saying to my dad once, I wish I had enough money to buy the Cosmo license because when Cosmo folded, it was still up for tender. So that's why we never got to do like a final issue. And my dad said to me, don't buy your own, don't buy Cosmo, make your own Cosmo. Mm -hmm. He's like, you've got the internet, you've got that phone in your hand, make your own Cosmo. And I was like, an icon. (laughs) And I was like, Tata. And he doesn't even remember saying that to me. Yeah. But like, Tata knew what was up. So, when we went into lockdown, I thought, okay, we've got seven weeks of this COVID thing. Oh, <laughs> Little did I know. Isn't that funny? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I thought, do you know what? Let's return to your blogging roots. Let's use Instagram as like a publishing tool. Let's completely flip the switch. You're overstyling anyway. Use it to storytell. You love to tell stories. You love to dance. Um, and you love fashion. So how do we do that? So I started all of these kind of content pillars that would speak to that. Keep me occupied in lockdown. Mm. Gorgeous. Now, two things happened. I came out as Mm non-binary and also everyone was at home locked in their houses. So I truly believe that had I come out as non-binary and also that not intersect with the pandemic, I don't know if I would be sitting here right now because Mm -hmm. there was this moment in time where I was using my Instagram as a diary to take people on this journey and teach them as I was learning about pronouns and all of this shit, right? I was like, what is this stuff? I don't even know how to navigate this myself. Let's navigate it online. And then all the people watching were at home with nowhere to be and nothing to do. So they were so engaged. And all these conversations, like on places like TikTok, all these Mm. conversations that people would usually have with their friends were happening to a wider audience and everyone was learning and building. It was such a massive period and is still such a massive period of growth. Mm. So that's how that all happened. And then suddenly, kind of almost overnight, but really it was like a three-month period, I had gone from being Denny the stylist to Denny the like, let's say the content creator, mm. and I was like, okay, being Denny, not styled yeah, by Denny, exactly, but being Denny. Denny. And there was no longer Cosmo hanging above me. I could mm. do it on my own terms. There was no editor who had to approve anything, and I really liked that. I was like, mm. this is great. I can maybe make this my business. And then the tipping point moment was when I got signed to my management. My manager Prue Corrigan is like my mother and my mentor. I've heard Prue's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. So Prue took me on during lockdown. We didn't even get to meet each other. We all did it all through Zoom. And then that's when it, like the body shop campaign, all of mm. like that's how we met. All of those big moments, like I did like the cover of a local magazine, 
um, in like a tutu and a blazer. And like that was a huge moment. Favorite photo. Thanks, babes. So all of that stuff kind of intersected and then it was like, boom, okay, now you're like a front-facing public mm-hmm. figure adjacent mm-hmm. kind of person. And it's been amazing. Like I'm, I feel so, so grateful, but it's definitely come with highs and lows for sure. And what are the challenges that you found? I think at first it was the level of trolling and vitriol that you get when you look different. Mm-hmm. Like I've always been, like I was bullied every day of my school life, like mm. every day. Mm. Um, and I've only ever had suicidal thoughts twice in my life when I came out as gay at 19 and when I came out as non-binary in lockdown Mm -hmm. because I was so overwhelmed by everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's very different to have those thoughts on your own versus someone literally messaging you on Instagram saying, you should go and kill yourself because, you know, you're a fucking tranny. Um, And, you know, the transphobia that exists online is wild. So that was my first, um, you know, kind of experience with that. And I was like, whoa, Maybe I'm not cut out for this. And then I just kept thinking, no, there's got to be a bigger reason here. Like, mm-hmm. you can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I think what's more of a challenge, I don't, don't necessarily hate it, and I'm sure you could speak to this, is how I differentiate my personal life and my, like, Instagram life because the two intersect because now I am my own brand. You are your job. Yeah, I am my own job. So how do you, you know, how do you find the balance? How do you navigate that balance? How do you go, this is for me, this is sacred for me, and this is for public domain because, you know, people book me on jobs because of my life and my Mm -hmm. parents, you know, my parents now get booked on jobs with me. Yes. You know, so it's it's that, it's navigating that, okay, well, what's for me and what's for them? And Mm -hmm. how do I find the balance? Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to ever like resent my my job or that mm. audience. I want to do that with love and excitement. Mm-hmm. So that there have been the challenges. What I did, I got recently a second phone. So oh. I have like a burner for my friends. Like, are you dealing drugs? <laughs> I, I, like, I whipped out this like this like 2018 iPhone mm. and I was like, here's my new number, guys. And I have like five, I have, like my best friend group chat. I have mum, I have Conrad. Um, and then, I mean, you'll get the number back. Okay, like, I, I have like personal friends and I'm like, if I'm not replying to you on the work phone and you need to talk to me, you may use call the, the personal phone. phone. Mm. <laughs> use my burner phone, use my dealer phone. <laughs> um, but me and my friends are like, what's going on? Like, are you like, are you setting up? What's like, what's happening? Is that be okay? Um, but that's my thing. So now I just turn this mm. off. Like I try to have, it's not really been working, mm. but it's get we're getting there, getting used there. to it. Where I turn it off, I'm like, okay, six o'clock, that's off. And if I want to FaceTime, you know, my mom, I can FaceTime mom on that phone. Sure. I can FaceTime. So that's that. There's okay. what, no apps. So Instagram, no photos. There's oh, nothing on it. It's that. just a just just a call. I love that. That could be okay. That's that a could good help solution. A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just get you know. It was an old phone that I had that was like cracked in the yeah, in the yeah, drawer, yeah. and I was yeah. like, I guess I'll use that. <laughs> okay. That's how I've mm-hmm. started to differentiate it because mm-hmm. it, it is hard because you don't know when things stop and start, and then also because Instagram is um, it's weird when your personal Instagram mm. becomes the vessel for your job. Yeah. But also you're like, I miss so many of your DMs and I'm sure you miss so many Ditto, of mine. Yeah. Because you we DM each other uh because it's how you communicate with mm. your friends, but it's also work and mm. the inbox is full. Oh, it's full. At all times. And, oh, I get mad guilt about it because, you know, this is something that I've really prided myself on, like the, the relationship I have with my audience. Like mm-hmm. I know a lot of them by name and my profile picture and they've been there for a really long time when I had like 3,000 followers or whatever. Mm. But now that I have like 60-something thousand followers, mm. you know, it's 
becomes a lot more work to like mm-hmm. reply to every DM, reply to every comment because I, I try to do all of that myself. I reply to every time you get a DM from me, it's from me. Yeah. And, and that can be really challenging. So even that gives you guilt because you're like, no, but I'm so grateful to these people because they've given me a job and, you know. So it's, grateful. Oh, and also you, so feel like, you feel like if you had DM'd someone who you really admired yeah. or liked and they replied the excitement that you would feel. That's oh, yeah. how I used to think. Yeah. I do it, I do it much less now, unfortunately, because I just it's just it's uh, I think we figured out that it's three thousand a day or something. Yeah. If I yeah. do again, same thing. If I reply to you, it is me replying to yeah. you. If I share your story on my story and I comment something, it is it is me. Yeah. You recently curated that's the right term, you curated a show for we Fashion love that. Week. Yeah. I asked um our gorgeous friend Kath about I was like, hey, so can you give me details of what that actually means? Because again, I'm <laughs> I've been in one fashion week and Delta got Jumsung. I was like, oh my god, that was a good one to that be. That was at. amazing. And Delta winked at me and I uh, thought I was like, guys, Delta got Jumsung at me. Um, but so you curated a show. Sure. How important was that moment for you just professionally? We sure. talk about the the mm. um activism part of it, sure. but just professionally, what was that like for you? Huge. So to give you some context, I actually studied fashion design, right, um, at the Gordon when I was in high school and then in Paris. So I've always dreamt of being a designer and maybe, you know, one day, hopefully I will. Mm. Um, so that moment of fashion shows, I mean, the first fashion show I ever went to was Melbourne Fashion Week when I was 16 with my mum. Mm-hmm. So to then all these years later be creative director and stylist of the opening show, of the opening night of that week. Sure, I may not have sewn the clothes that went down the runway, but it was huge. And my mum actually said to me afterwards, because when I was in year 12 and I was going to Paris, I did this fashion show fundraiser at the church opposite my school mm. so people could raise money for my tuition fee so I didn't have that 9,000, you know, NAB loan yeah. to pay off by myself. Oh my anyway, and I sewed up 30 outfits um, and, you know, my mum did the catering and my friends and cousins were the models. And mum goes to me, Denny, like that was you when you were a teenager and look what you've done tonight. So on a personal note, it was. It meant so much to Incredible. me. Incredible. Yeah. There was also obviously the the activism aspect and yeah. the diversity aspect. And a mutual friend of ours, Kath. Yeah, we, um, we Kath. were talking about it uh, the other day because I, I see Kath. I can. Yeah, I spoke to them this morning, like <laughs> on FaceTime on the yeah, way. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> we're like literally. I'm like. I'm I'll be like at the beach and I'm like, I'm coming out with long black for you. Like it's like that <laughs> that level of friendship where I'm like, or I like knock on their window and I'm like, yeah. hey, like because when you walk into, I probably shouldn't say this. When you walk into the house, you can just. Not gonna win. I'm like, I know hey. when I FaceTime them, I'm like, why is there so much access to no, your and, house? And she's like, hey, to her neighbors as they walk All by. The time, it's yeah. So funny. Yeah. Um, but so she, uh, she was saying to me that your show was because they've been to a lot. Yeah. Of, well, they worked in like they were models. They were models. Yeah. So again, me not really understanding because mm-hmm. I saw the videos, I saw your posts, obviously, blah 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 blah, and she was like. I've never had that energy of excitement and how excited the audience was to be involved in something that was so meaningful but also just fun and passionate Mm. and interesting and different to just the standard. You sit there and it's like, yeah, walk down the runway. And it's like, which is amazing. Yeah. Which nipples are hard as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But something different, something amazing. And you created something that was so unique, I think. And I don't know if I can watch the full thing, but all I've seen in social media stuff, can I watch the full thing somewhere? Uh, No, it wasn't live streamed annoyingly, but there is like a a video recap I'll send it to you. Okay, because I've only seen Instagram posts and I asked Kath to show me stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how am 
much work mm. went into planning that. Sure. So it was about a four and a half month process, and it was longer actually, than the lockdown. Yeah, babes. longer than lockdown, Jesus. babes. Yeah, and that and that was really a challenge. So it was actually supposed to be in October, and then the whole week got pushed out like by a month. Um, so it was in November. So it ended up being like a five month process, and it's huge. Like you start with you know, the concept. Then you have mm-hmm. to um, sort of facilitate the relationship with all of the designers that are involved. Then you have also the a team that's booked you to be on this job is mm-hmm. this beautiful team called Event Gallery. Plus you have Melbourne Fashion Week. Plus you have the City of Melbourne because they're the sponsor. Mm-hmm. Then you have, you know, casting, hair and makeup. And, and as the creative director of your show, you have to facilitate that whole thing, everything. everything, you're across everything, you know, you're down project to… project manager. Yeah, project manager. Like I curated the the Spotify playlist that was playing while the guests arrived. Wow. So that it was only queer artists or, you know, I worked with a DJ who was this beautiful queer non-binary DJ in Sydney to make sure that the music reflected our messaging. So it's a big job. It was a yeah. huge job. Yeah. yeah. When you were talking about uh, dealing with the designers. Yeah. So… Was it hard, and I hope not, but was it difficult at all having conversations about how much you wanted to represent mm. your community and the queer community and the diversity aspect as well? Because also there were the, the disabled community was yeah. involved as well yeah. and people of colour as well, yep. of course. Was it difficult to convince anyone if it was? Don't, you know, sure. Same names, but yeah, yeah. how were those conversations and how did it go? Yeah, so... And when I was booked on the show, I was booked for the reasons of what I've been doing on social media for the Mm -hmm. last two years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they made that very clear. We love your activism. We love your messaging, degendering fashion, body positivity. You're a person of colour. We want to amplify your vision. I was like, great, love to hear it. So at the start of that five-month process, I had a a brief that I put together and I ran, ran every single designer through it via Zoom. Also, Melbourne Fashion Week as a organization had a meeting with all of the um, stylists and makeup artists involved beforehand because that was the theme for, throughout their whole week. Mm-hmm. It was like a criteria that we be as diverse as possible because fashion needs to move in that direction. Absolutely, right. yeah. So when I had that conversation with all of the designers at the start, um, I will absolutely say that it wasn't easy with every single one. You know, mm-hmm. it, you know, change is not often easy. It's mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And also logistically, there are a few factors. So some of the designers that I worked with only have access to a sample set because th- some of these garments weren't going to be in stores yet. So you only can oh, work with samples. Wise. Yeah. So sizing wise, you might only have a size eight. Mm-hmm. Whereas other brands like Camilla, for example, much bigger brand with lots of, you know, money behind it and infrastructure behind it. So they have access to a larger set of samples right. and they have ranges for, like they have a curve range and things like that. And then I had a few other designers who are custom made to measure designers. Mm-hmm. So that was fine because they could make things to measure. Right. You know, not a problem. Right. So there was just a few little, you know, um, things that we had to address with each of them to figure out, okay, how are we going to broadly display diversity in an authentic mm-hmm. way? Mm-hmm. I wanted, like, when I looked at my casting, these are people that I would want to be friends with, people that I think are beautiful, people that inspire yeah. me. And they're the people that I surround myself with. Like, mm-hmm. just by default, I have a very diverse group of friends. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, all of these little pillars of like having that conversation with each designer, you have to tick mm-hmm. off, you know, this is what we're doing. This is the casting. What size offers do you have? And that a lot of that came with some challenge. I won't lie to you. Yes, yeah. so there's so much that goes on behind the scenes of these things. I think the public see the outcome mm-hmm. and they see and they think that because I guess when it comes to a progressive audience, which is mm-hmm. what you have and what and what I would hope that I have as well, yeah, they think that these things because at the end of the day, you're still you're still in an industry mm-hmm. 
that is being something to be pushed forward in terms yes. of diversity, right? So you're still there pushing it. Isn't just to you rock up and you go, mm-hmm. I want this, 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 no. this. There's so much hard work and also risk mm-hmm. on your behalf having to have these conversations and possibly maybe, you know, one person in a certain brand is really yeah. difficult to deal with and they go, no, fuck Denny. They're too hard to deal with. They're being too progressive. They're being too PC. Did, did you ever have that feeling? And <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to name names. But I, Next I think, question. I, ah, no, I'm joking. I just, I'm think, joking. I, just think, I just think people don't understand when mm. the, the outcome of these things, mm. they're amazing. And I think all the credit to you. Thank you. Credit to Fashion Week, credit to City Melbourne for the for the sponsoring. But that also didn't, I can't imagine that came that pushback. And everything that we see that, mm. you know, um, that has a final vision of yeah. inclusivity and diversity and progressiveness. Mm-hmm. If, it's in, if it's on TV, yeah. if it's in fashion, if it's in, uh, you know, on radio, if it's in yeah. any industry, there is pushback behind the scenes to get it to a certain point. Yeah. So we have to look at these things like in a systemic way, right? So fashion as an industry is systemically racist, is systemically gendered. Um, it's uh, not inclusive to size. It's mm-hmm. not inclusive to disabled people. Mm-hmm. So when you try to um, foster any kind of natural, authentic diversity, you come with roadblocks. So for example, with the casting, I remember I said to the casting director, I would love to have as many queer people in this show as possible. But a modeling agent can't necessarily put on a model's card queer. Right. So, you know, so that took a lot of work from me because I stalked every one of them on Instagram. And I wasn't saying the whole cast has to be queer, but I want an equal amount of, you know, representation. I'm assuming you want to reflect people in your life and yeah. your friendship groups. Yeah. That's a huge thing. Then in fashion, we never see what we see in our exactly everyday right. lives and in TV and everything exactly like that. Exactly right. And essentially, I wanted this show to be for the people, for the voices that are often, you know, ignored, for the people that are left in the dark. I wanted them to come out and we, I wanted to celebrate them. So yes, there's absolutely pushback because when you speak to designers who maybe aren't on the same page as you, I also think that Australia is like a solid five years behind the rest of the world. And I kept saying to a lot of the designers, like, look at Savage Fenty, what Rihanna's done with those shows. Look at the demise of Victoria's Secret. Look at the way that American brands have just embraced the change. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. let's look at everything that happened with the Black Lives Matter movement. Let's look at, you know, the fact that trans people still in this country are 11 times more likely to take their lives. Mm. Should we not be celebrating these people? Mm. Should we not be giving them? If I went to a fashion show when I was 16 with mum and I saw what I saw at my show, I would have felt normal, let's say, or or alive or valued. Seen. seen, At least seen. At least seen. So that that was the objective. And I've got to say... The, the good outweighed the bad, but there, well, was, there was absolutely challenges. <laughs> like, I, I we can imagine. Well, let's yeah. get to the bad. So, yeah. but I would like to preface go, the go. bad with how your community has reacted. Mm, okay, I'd go. love to, sure. well, how have they yeah. reacted? What has the feedback been uh, to you? It's been fucking epic. And like that night, what Isn't Kath that interesting? Says, mm-hmm. So what, what <laughs> Kath said was spot on. <laughs> Was the people that on. matter yeah. actually actually fucking like that. Yeah. Who would have yeah. mm-hmm. thought? So on the night of the show, the energy in the room was insane. Like when I walked out at the end with the flag and the the pronouns on the t-shirt, or whatever. Kath, Brooke, um, Melissa, Leong, all of them, like the, Sarah, Georgia, Love, cheering, cheering. Like the love in the air was palpable. Mm. Afterwards, that my mum burst into tears. My manager burst into tears. Like people were like very emotionally reacting to this mm. in a very positive mm. way. And um, after the show, I had about 30 of my favorite people around for drinks. We were all just like, you know, 
still had goosebumps. Mm. That weekend, I went to Puff Doof. Everyone and now Let's go to Let's go to Puff Doof. Mm-hmm. So when I get approached, <laughs> Max just got so excited. <laughs> no, no, Max like, was like, I'm "Like too soon, guys. I'm still recovering from Saturday." <laughs> <laughs> so when I get um, support, love and validation from my community, that's what means the most to me. But it's not something that I have a lot of access to because I live in Geelong. So I'm on the dance floor at Puff Duff on Saturday, the week after the show, the day of the Herald Sun article. And all these mm. people are coming up to me being like, Denny, 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 your show was amazing. I saw your show and I was just like, oh my God, these people actually saw what happened. These people actually care. Like these people are appreciative and they feel seen and loved. Job fucking done. Exactly. Done. Don't care about what anyone else thinks. Well, job done. <laughs> who else thinks? Who else thinks? So this is the title. Here we go. Stylist Denny Todorovic shamed for polit shamed mm. weird word for political stunt mm. at Melbourne Fashion Week. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there are some things that I've underlined in lipstick okay. because I never. <laughs> So thanks, Kevin O'Quinn. So I had, so I had, um, I had screenshot it in my notes, and I'd, I'd written down quotes in my notes on my phone. But then I got given a physical copy, which is always better. Beautiful, we you know, analog. Yeah. And there are a few things that I wanted to speak about. So first, then me, I'm like a Great. teacher grading a paper. Get the so here's a thing for me, Denny. The, the the first, it's in the second paragraph. But all the chatter behind the catwalk this fashion week was not about the thankful shunning of athleisure wear, nor the socks and clogs, billowing sleeves, bold colour or wide leg pant looks. It wasn't about fashion at all. Um, okay. Can I say my thoughts and we'll say Is that okay please, if we do that? Of course. My reaction to that was while fashion week obviously by its name is about fashion, mm. that doesn't mean it is exclusively about fashion. Your show was a curation of fashion and also how fashion intersects with real life and diversity. Is this movement not going to be involved in fashion? We need some extreme pushback in order to have change. That was my reaction. Is that... <laughs> I was like, it's it's also giving like, can I just not put it in my face? Totally. It's giving, it's okay that you're gay. I just don't want to see it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like, okay, like, that's fine. But like, like love is love, but, like, but I don't want to see it. Now that there are gays on the stage, mm. like now that I, now that there's, mm. oh my God, there's, there's someone with a they, them pronoun. Can we, that's fine. But do I have to see it? Yes, you do. Because that's how changes is enacted. Mm. Anything more to say on that before my next point? <laughs> Go to your next point. <laughs> I'll do my synopsis of, of your points when we're done. Keep <laughs> the next one. No, no, no. The most a fashion insider. Also, do you know what I love? I know if you're going to know what I'm about to say. I'm- I love that none of them were brave enough to put their fucking names with it. It's all just a source yeah, close uh, to the friends. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. a fashion insider. Mm-hmm. Who was it? Who said it? Mm. Either no one said it and you're making it up or someone said it and knew it was fucked and was too scared to put their name to it. So what's going... Also, or you, the author, Alice Costa, Mm. you're too... You know it's wrong so you would never put someone's name with it. You're going, I'm going to protect the person. Mm. Anyway. It was the ultimate fashion faux pas. Mm -hmm. To, to dare to include. Also, it was Trans Awareness Week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we we'll, get that that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Don't you worry. We'll get to that. <laughs> There's also the thing of not that I don't support equality and the community. Mm. And they're saying, I'll throw it in for good measure. Mm. Mm-hmm. If you feel you have to say that, why are you writing this article? 
Perhaps you're feeling that you saying that requires that statement means you should have a pause Mm -hmm. and think about what the article is about Mm -hmm. and why you have those feelings towards the article. That's how I felt. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're going to, that's a whole other conversation I'm sure you have more to Mm -hmm. say on. Collective shock and awe. Mm -hmm. There was shock and awe when you and AJ Clementine, Mm -hmm. who I need to have on the podcast. We love love AJ. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, her book is out. Oh, is it? Yep. Amazing. Oh, Oh, no, it is. I think you're right. Oh, my God. No, no, no. I got sent it and I was too scared to upload it. She's posted about it on socials. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So her book, um, Girl Transcending. Yes. Yeah. It's out. Side note, just shout out to AJ. Yeah, I need that. to get her on the podcast. I've been to, but COVID fucked. Mm. Um, AJ was the closer with you, with they, them. Um, and how dare you hold a rainbow flag during Trans Awareness Week? It also, at one point, she said that it uh, it was more like a pride march, yeah. as though that's a dirty thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Well. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't fashion. It, it was, was a pride, pride march. march. And to me, that implies that fashion shouldn't include pride. Pride. <laughs> There was also tears. Apparently, did you get? Did you pick up on that? Apparently, there was. Where's tears. that one? Because yeah. my, my lipstick ran out. So, uh, oh, a darling, this. it's been positively rammed down our throats. Oh yeah, that's a good. That one. was the one good about. Line. That's when I felt about that this diversity. person's. Yeah, the, how dare the diversity rammed? And it's one that I've put in my notes. Diversity is one thing. Objectifying is another. Mm. This just screamed of tokenism. Mm. Now, my question is. As a non-binary person involved in this community and as the models are people of colour, disabled people, uh, body shapes and sizes, Mm -hmm. genders, uh, queer, if they are the people involved and they are the people congratulating you Mm -hmm. and they have agreed to this show, how is that tokenism? It would be tokenistic if you were a straight white man, mm-hmm. if you were ScoMo throwing yeah. it, and then <laughs> if ScoMo, if ScoMo decided, ScoMo was like, you know what, I'm gonna cook a curry, and we're gonna have. <laughs> I'm screaming. And, and he's, what does he put his Desi music? Fuck, he's a dick. But if ScoMo was like, you know what, and then we'll put we'll we'll put some with they them pronouns in yeah, the yeah, front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Would that not be tokenism? Mm. I also didn't like the overall theme was saying the show was all about Denny. The collection mm. or designers who worked so hard to pull it together was an afterthought. Mm-hmm. We've just discussed, this is why I wanted to preface this. Yeah. There was a plan to this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um I pre- this is why I want to preface this by you telling us how much work you personally uh-huh. put into this and how this was a vision and also the consent and the approval you got, despite the fact at times they were being pushed back and a bit difficult, mm. was put into this. Um, it w- and then and then I also didn't, there's so many, every paragraph yeah. at a different point. There's also a paragraph that says, Perhaps cluing in on the behind-the-scenes backlash, Todorovic took to Instagram on Friday to state that Melbourne Fashion Week runway wasn't about fashion, it was about feeling and coincided with Trans Awareness Week. Mm. It wasn't about following trends, it was about rejecting them. This is what a quote mm-hmm. from you. Yeah. Now, I would like to say I, I really don't like the assumption that this was some sort of, and I, I don't know if it was, if it was, that's fair enough, but this assumption that, oh, they felt the backlash and they've responded mm. in a passive way. Mm. I have a feeling you posted that because that's how you felt. Correct. And that was the intention for the show. Mm-hmm. Not as a reactive statement to try and cover your tracks mm-hmm. or deal with the backlash. Mm-hmm. 
These are my thoughts. <laughs> Hit me. Okay. <laughs> Fucking hell, mate. These Honestly, are my... Abby, you need to be the new fashion journalist at Vogue, doll. <laughs> Let's call Vogue. I mean, um, babe, you need to start me first. Yeah, we need okay. to get some tips. We'll go, and we need to start on tips later on. <laughs> okay. We've got, we've got we've segments. Got we've got that. Okay, I'm going to do it as quickly as I can. Essentially, um, as I said earlier, the show was supposed to be a month before it was. So cut to this little thing called COVID um, happening again and again and again, and the show got pushed out to November. Three weeks before the show, I was scrolling through um, my emails, actually, and I got booked on a job for Trans Awareness um, Week, like a job before the week kicked off. And I was like, oh, Trans Awareness Week kicks off on Monday night. My fashion show's on Monday night. How good. AJ Clementine, who I had booked on the show three months prior, is opening and closing the show. Mm. This couldn't be better. And also, can we also acknowledge, AJ is a model. Correct. That's her job. That's her job. She was, yeah. She is a model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it isn't that you, the tokenistic thing mm-hmm. as well, it's like, You've gotten a model Correct. and she happens to be trans. Correct. So I was like, we need to do something for Trans Awareness Week. So I have this idea. It came to me in the shower. Wouldn't it be beautiful to have this Pride March moment at the end? Let's bring Mardi Gras to Melbourne. Let's have it like a progressive pride flag. Um, AJ holding it. Now, as someone who is non-binary and being that there was only one other non-binary person in my show, and by the way, the, the only reason why they were in my show was because they're my friend Sandy in Sydney and I cast them in that show. You know I know Sandy? Yeah, Catherine. Yeah, oh, yeah, because of Channel 10. Sandy. So Sandy was a date producer. Yeah, on The Bachelor. On The Bachelor and I love Sandy. So we love Sandy. Um, Sandy's an incredible non-binary person. Their, their profile is rising as well, very mm-hmm. excitingly. Mm-hmm. So I booked Sandy in the show, um, but Sandy was the only non-binary person to my knowledge, right? Because the, the modeling agents couldn't tell me that. So anyway, I said to my um, my team, like my manager and my team, I think this would be a really cool idea and I think I would really like to hold the flag because of the following reasons. That in and of itself is a political statement. Like, I'm not ignorant. I knew that that was going to cause a bit of controversy or in and of itself, it's something that an agent would have to approve. So I didn't want to have to put any of those models or talent in a situation where the agent would have to approve this thing and make it more than what it was. So I was like, hey, I'm the um, fashion director of this show. I'm non-binary. I'll fucking hold that flag. And also, you've been trolled so intensely to the point of suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to put someone else in that position. Correct. Unnecessarily. Correct. Yep. Yep. So I was like, this is a moment of visibility. Let's all be visible together. That concept was at first denied um, because of uh, perhaps sensitivity towards the designers. The designers have worked on these shows and generally a designer comes out at the end of the runway. It's not typical that a stylist would. And I was like, no, that's no problem at all. But let's do let's do the thing still. Let's, like, let's have this moment at the end. How are we going to do it? How are we going to do it? Then the Camilla team were like, no, we really want Denny to do this. Like, mm-hmm. I work with Camilla really closely. They were like, it would be a missed opportunity. Like, Denny, you have a profile. Like, let's... Let's do this. So then we all reconvened together again. And the Melbourne Fashion Week sort of team approached all the st- all the designers of that show and said, this is our plan. Do you have any issues of it? We also gave the designers who were based in Melbourne the option to walk out with me mm-hmm. so that there would be no hard feelings. Mm-hmm. They all said, no, we love this moment. We support this moment. This is a moment that Denny and AJ and the cast of the show should have. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. So we have this moment. Yes, Alice Costa, it was a Pride March. It was intended to be as such. That is the. It was the kickoff of Trans yes. Awareness Week. We wanted to raise awareness of trans youth, which, as I said in my Instagram sort of statement to her article, 
still are the highest minority group in Australia to have these sorts of suicide mm-hmm. rates, particularly black trans youth. So anyway, okay, we have this moment and then this article comes out and it was just so disheartening because they missed the point. Fashion, Abby, has been political since the dawn of time. Fashion is the quickest way to show what's happening in history. Mm-hmm. If we look at in the last two years, like you will forever think of our pandemic when you look at masks, when you look at sweatpants, when you look at fucking tie-dye. Mm-hmm. Like fashion is a mirror to what happens. It always has mm-hmm. been. Mm-hmm. So you're going to tell me that this one moment of a very innocent, if not positively beautiful mm-hmm. celebration of diversity, a they-them whacked on a t-shirt, a flag in my hand, this beautiful class of people. How is that tokenistic or how is that a faux pas? First of all, it's not tokenistic because every single person involved was supported yeah. and also from the minority groups that we were celebrating. So, yeah. So, the to- <laughs> tokenism comes when someone is putting someone Correct. in a fashion show in this instance just for the sake of it. Correct. For optics. Correct. We had, for example, we had you a risk ramp. the optics, actually. Correct. Yep. Um, we had a, a custom-made ramp built and installed for our beautiful wheelchair mo- model, mm-hmm. for example. We did all the necessary, every, at every point of diversity, we wanted to do it properly. I wanted to do it properly. So how dare you come on your, you know, international, sorry, national um, newspaper and say that it was tokenism. Like, Google tokenism, please. Absolutely. Well, speaking, <laughs> speak, <laughs> this, um, well, speaking of the intersection of politics and mm-hmm. fashion, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, because you did this beautiful post about Des Audrey. Oh, uh, yeah, Des Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Fuck, I always say it and people <coughs> say it differently. And I'm like, oh, yeah, my no, God, am I, am I the one that's fucking up? Um, love, love Des Love Shannon, like, love Des yeah. Like vomiting when I, move, when I move in there. When I go in there, I'm like... Yeah, that's obsessed. where you got that um, crystal bra from that you wore to Drag For Race. For Drag Race, yeah. yeah. So, and you did this post. You've got a few posts about being a non-binary person and also before you came out as non-binary yeah. and how important moments have been in certain stores, positive interactions yeah. um, with whether it's owners of stores or salespeople yep. or whatever. Mm. And I wanted to see if you could talk about those a little bit and how important mm. they are because I'm sure there are people listening who work in those stores yeah. and how they can help people who are non-binary or trans yep. or just, you know, assist assist person wanting yeah. to do something different. Different, yeah. I mean... As someone who's worked on retail shop floors for like all of my teens and early 20s, I know the impact of what the difference is between making someone comfortable and uncomfortable. Mm. Like one of the first lessons in retail that you learn is that you should never judge a book by their cover ever because mm. you don't know who that person is. You treat them all equally and that's just kind of how I live my life. So when I go shopping and I'm in a store, it's going to go one of two ways. I'm either going to be welcomed, I'm going to feel seen and supported and safe. I'm going to be taken care of. No one's going to look me up and down if I've got an armful of women's clothing. No one's going to judge me if I want to try on a pair of women's heels. Or it goes the total opposite way. Mm. And those moments can make a world of difference. They can either make you feel like absolute, like worthlessly, like, piece of shit vibes Mm. or you can go oh my god this was so beautiful Mm. and over the last two years I've had a mixture of both right so when I go into a store and a customer first of all is like not calling me sir um you know not gendering me as soon as I've walked in just lovely like kind of supportive would you like to try anything on can I get your size so I went to Zara a couple of weeks ago asked for a fitting room was ushered to the men's department upstairs even though I was in the women's wear downstairs you know so like those moments that can 
just make the whole situation like less uncomfortable. Yeah. Because also, first of all, just because I appear like I present masculinely, I've got facial hair, mm. but I could be a trans man and they wouldn't know. Yes. Right? Yes. I could be. Yes. Know, there are, you never can assume someone's gender. Mm. So, People just need to be a little bit more aware. And I know it's just about awareness. It's mm. what we've spoken about heaps today. It's all about awareness. Just lead with empathy. Mm. Don't assume ever. No. Um, and just, yeah, lead with empathy and like freedom. Like fashion is supposed to be fun. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be self-expressing. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be, let's do whatever we want. Like if you walked into a men's store, for example, mm. and went to try a men's pair of jeans, like I wonder what would happen. Would you get judged? Like probably not. I don't think so. No. No, yeah. no I don't think so So it's so interesting how we instantly gender these mass presenting people in women's spaces because they're like cross-dressing or, yeah. you know, like… No, babes. Like, it's, it's 2021. Like it's gatekeeping. Gatekeeping skirts. Let's just yeah, come. I'm totally. like comfy, babe, kills. <laughs> exactly. I mean, right. I mean, and and how does gender expression intersect with style for you? Mm. And do, in an ideal world, would we love for clothes to be genderless? Mm. So gender expression and style for me, they're incredibly linked mm. because my gender identity is neither male or female. It's like... It's not both, but it's a combination. It's everything. It's it's very fluid. It's mm-hmm. kind of sits in the ether somewhere. So for me on any given day, I might really want to lean into like my sort of mask strong, like wog boy energy. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's do it. And then another day I want to be super femme and girly and living my princess fantasy. Other mm-hmm. days they kind of combine. Mm-hmm. So clothes are, are directly like today I'm in a leather kilt. I've got this oversized tee. Mm-hmm. I've got sneakers on. Tomorrow I might be, yeah, a pearl. Tomorrow night I might be in heels and a dress. Like mm-hmm. I don't wake up and go, what gender do I want to be today? I just go with my vibe. Yeah, right. You know, that's kind of how it works. Um, for me, I speak about something called degendering fashion a lot. Yes. And what degendering fashion means is not to erase people's gender. It's not to say, Abby, you can't wear women's wear. It's just to say, let's pull up a chair at the table for trans and non-binary people. Let's degender these categories mm-hmm. so I can walk into a store and go, I want a pair of jeans. Yeah. I want a top. I want a dress. And I don't have to go, oh, wait, but that's a women's piece of clothing. Like, no, it's not. It's a fucking piece of fabric. Yeah. And also, I think people, the argument that I've heard in the past is like, well, women's jeans and men's jeans fit differently. Mm -hmm. Yes, but also women's bodies individually and men's bodies individually are different. different. Mm -hmm. Just as like if we're saying cisgendered sure. people, like Between my body them. is completely different to my sister's body, yeah. for example. Yeah. So me finding a pair of jeans is already fucking hard. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Let's just, <laughs> yeah. you know. No, it's, um, that's a common um, common argument. Yeah, argument. It's like, and I, I understand that uh, let's go off of sex rather than gender. So if you're assigned male at birth yes. or you're assigned female at birth, those two body shapes are pretty different. Yes. You know, and, and because I know how to make clothes, I understand that from like a pattern making perspective. Mm-hmm. But come on man we've sent people to the moon like we can find solutions we can find a we've solution. got a metaverse coming for us surely we, surely we can make clothing gender neutral I'm ignoring the fucking metaverse Me I mean, someone was like you should buy land in the metaverse and I was like shut the fuck <laughs> Oh, like I was like, and then and then this someone was like, you should really get into NFTs. I oh my god, don't NFTs! I can't. I don't know what they are. I don't want to know what they are. I don't give a shit about NFTs. Shut the fuck up. Anyway, let's uh, get some gender neutral clothing options first, yeah, and, then, and then we'll worry, and then and then we'll worry about the metaverse. Yeah. Into the metaverse together. Um, so I also wanted to say, so I actually had a question. So we had this, I had a few questions from people. Okay. Um, because you were meant to be my. Fucking live guest. I was. Before COVID, yeah. it's so dead, but at least we're here. We're, we're doing here. it. It's fine. Yeah. And we can do another one for a live Totally. Show. 
But someone asked me, well, asked you, what's your advice for coming out but being afraid of rejection slash... Am I actually okay? (laughs) Slash isolation. Don't bother editing that. I can't say I tried twice (laughs) to do that, everyone. Slash isolation. What's what's your advice in regards to that? Because it is dangerous to come out. Yes, very. It can be for many people, particularly depending on where you live. Um, It can be a lot. It's a lot. So It's a lot. lot. Um, I will say the following. First and foremost, you don't owe it to anyone to come out except for yourself. Mm. And that's actually the most important part of the coming out process is coming out to yourself. I'll never forget the first time I said I am gay out loud in the mirror to myself. I thought I was going to die. Like it was the most liberating thing I've ever felt oh, in my amazing. life. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. Was it like the feeling when you say to someone I love you and oh, you say it's it exactly back at that. that? It's exactly that. Um, so have the conversation with yourself first. Then when you approach coming out, generally my rules are safe spaces. Start with a safe space. Now, a safe space can be a person. It can be an actual space. If you don't have one near you, there are community groups. There are um, organizations that support queer people. We've got a beautiful Victorian Pride Center in Melbourne now. There are so many places like that all over the world. Once you've found your safe space, then you can start living authentically around those people. Mm. Once you feel safe within that space, then you can just go and live authentically in the world. Mm. But generally what I say, I was actually saying to this someone last night, I don't believe in living life ruled by your fears. Mm -hmm. Because when you surrender to just being truly who you are, that's the sweet spot. And and fears can be really um, detrimental to your own mental health. But in saying that, there are some very literal fears that exist for people. Absolutely. With, you know, ramifications that are quite dangerous. So if, if you at any point feel like that's a thing for you, there is no rush for you to come out. That's what I would say to you. But, you know, you have to come out to yourself first. How you proceed is up to you. But there's always, there's always help. Unless you're mm-hmm. living in a part of the world where you know, there really is none, um, then I would suggest you do everything you can to leave that part of the world. It's mm. it's kind of, it's yeah, a, it's it's very a really hard one. It's, a really it's hard very one. difficult. Um, well, because you're my Lord and Saving Guards of Style, I <laughs> DM'd Denny when I wanted to get some new heels. Oh, yeah. They're perfect. Did you get them? Great. Oh, my God. Amazing. Vomiting. Wore vomiting. them out the other night and felt like I was the baddest bitch in Pod Point. <laughs> I love it. Um, but I want to ask some style questions sure. selfishly. Go. Let's do it. Because I'm a basic bitch and I also <laughs> don't have time to shop ever. Okay. Because I'm always... The, 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 the issue is, and this is a very good issue to have, yeah. is that I am so busy with work that, and then when I work, I get wardrobe. Yeah. So I have... When I go come to pack, I'm like... To go anywhere, I'm like, I have literally... No, I have no fucking mm. clothes. like... I like literally had someone come over and they're like, you have nothing. And I was like, I know mm. because I don't, I get, I luckily get styled. Yeah. But devastatingly, I don't know what the fuck my sense of style is anymore. Mm. That's why I'm always in a black blazer, black dress and like these weird kooky sneakers. I'm like, that kooks it up. Okay. Um, but I've seen a lot of people talk about filling gaps mm-hmm. in your wardrobe. Mm. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I've been saying, so, I'm like, yeah. I said to my sister, my sister has a degree in fashion as well. Oh, wow. And I'm like, what does that mean? She's like, mm. uh, I mean, it just, and I didn't, I stopped listening to my sister. Okay. So I actually I'm going to tell you. Yeah. Okay. So everyone needs to start with a foundation. Let me give you an analogy. When you build a house, okay, you start with your concrete, you get my your boyfriend's a carpenter, so I understand this. You get the plaster, then you do sorry, you do the bricklaying, then you do the plaster. You basically you're setting your foundation. Before you can put in the cute couch from West Elm, you've got to have a fucking concrete slab, right? Okay. You do. Clothing is the same. You have to have your foundation. You need your pieces. It's there's about 10 pieces in that foundation collection, right? It's some trousers, it's denim. 
It's a good shirt. <laughs> it's T-shirts. It's a blazer. It's a dress. It's your solid core pair of shoes. I'll send you this list, yeah, Okay? <laughs> I was just, I'm like... <laughs> Once you have your bread and butter pieces... There should be about 10 or 15 of them. Those pieces, by the way, you should like invest in. Those are good pieces that are going to stand you the test of time. Then you can sprinkle in the kooky shoes and the crazy, you know, I don't know, halter neck tops or I think you have great style. But then you can sprinkle in all the trend. Let's mm. call it the trend. Mm. But if you don't have that capsule mm. foundation wardrobe and all you have is trendy pieces, you never really have anything to wear. And go together. Or they don't go together. It's yeah. like, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. But when you have that capsule, that's mm. where you start. Okay, yeah. all right. So I need to, okay, just send me the list. I'll send you a list. Can we, put, can we put the list in the show yeah, notes? Yeah, we can put a Thank show fuck. notes. Yeah. Everyone, Danny, just save the day. Now, my final question is, what are some trends mm-hmm. you think we're going to see in 2022 so I can get ahead of them and I can be the trendiest <laughs> okay. bitch in a, selfishly? <laughs> okay. And we might cut this out so no one hears that I'm the other one. No, no, no. We'll keep it in. Okay, we'll share. So I think, first up, we are seeing a huge rebellion against the pandemic. So this happens all the time in history, especially with wars. We've been in our fucking pajamas and our tracksuits and whatever. Fashion next year, it's going to be big, bold, bright. Mm -hmm. Think colour. Think lots of shine, all the sparkles, all the sequins, okay. all the shine. Okay. Um, all the kind of metal. Patterns at all or yeah, not? Yeah, 100%. Okay. So, yeah, patterns, prints, that's always a thing. Um, everything next year I feel like is going to be a mix of either this kind of art vibe, you know, like line drawings and all that really beautiful mm. feminine stuff. Florals always happens in spring, duh. But then mm. we're also going to see lots of graphic things like checkerboards, Um the whole Y2K movement is back. So I think mm. lots of graphic stuff, lots of like, you know how like Flex wears like all those angel print tops and stuff? Yes. Very that. Yes. Um, so Flex is usually Flex my like, she's the four, forefront. Uh-huh. So Y2K fashion is still very much hanging around. We're also going to see um, lots of bright colours, which I've discussed. So cobalt blue is key for next okay, year. Okay, okay, Love okay, a cobalt okay, blue. And okay. um, we also love a green. The okay. green is still sticking around. I orange, you love orange. It's your colour. Done. Done. Um, so those things are really good. We are also seeing this movement towards, nicely, degendering fashion. Boys and girls mixing yeah. it up. Dion Humans Lee. mixing it up. Dion Lee does this yes. very, very well. Send me some stuff if you want. I don't uh-huh. really mind. Yeah, send, <laughs> send us, we're send good, us some we're stuff. Good customers. Send us some dearly stuff. It's like I buy everything that you ever fucking sell. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's amazing. And then I think there is a huge look towards ethical fashion, being more conscious as consumers. These are sort of the overarching things. But I mean, in terms of trends, if you want a trend, like an actual tangible trend for this party season from like Jan to March, feathers. All about feathers. feathers. And you- I'm going to send you a link to a dress that will look bomb on you. I've bought it and I still haven't had a chance to wear it. Vomiting. Okay, Vomiting. please send it yeah, to me. Please send it to me. Oh, my God, Denny, you're the best. We can do your nightmare fuel. Okay, let's do it. All right? So we've got we've got a new system as well okay, with great. nightmare fuels. So um, what happens is we do this episode, then on Fridays, mm. everyone gets nightmare fuel because it's a tease. It's a tease. Oh. So tune in on Friday for that one. Um, Pluggables. What have we got going on? Star by Denny. Star by Instagram. Denny. Come and follow me. Um... Lots of really exciting things coming up. You can't tell anyone. I almost anyone. wish this podcast recording was next week. because. But look out for an announcement that's coming out next week, which is really exciting. Actually, do you know what I can tell you? Um, I am releasing a line of, like, merch. So it's my own, like, little line of merch. We're doing, like, three T-shirts. They should be dropping just before Christmas. We love um, it. We love that. So it's the brand's going to be called Hello Darlings. This is an exclusive, Abby. I haven't told anyone this. We're breaking a story. We're breaking a story. Let's hope that's recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
yeah, it's Hello, in, in the works for a while. Yeah. Oh my so. god, congratulations! Well, Thanks, we'll keep an eye out for that. We'll definitely be sharing Gorish. that on all the socials. Also, everyone, just a side note. If you like what people are posting, comment and like share it to your yeah. stories. It actually helps a lot. It helps. That pays our bill, really. Yeah, it pays the bills, babes. But, share, um, save. And I'm sure you love them with any You might be like, oh, it's weird for me to comment. It's not. Comment. No, absolutely not. I share love to stories. read them. Yeah. And the merch. Share. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks so much. Gorgeous. Love you. Thanks ya. for having me. I love you. Thank <laughs> you.